Good morning, and a very warm welcome to Placentia Presbyterian Church, where we continue to seek to love all people to life in ways that are relational, relevant, and bold. I love being in this place of worship where I have found comfort, peace, and prompting, a prompting from both the proclamation of the word and the movement of the Holy Spirit to go beyond these walls and be God's disciple in the community. I know that our members and regular guests miss being with one another in this place, but we are still connected by the Spirit of God, technology, and our love for one another. Let's begin our time together with the call to worship, which is Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8 from the message. Listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll let you in on the sweet old truths. Stories we heard from our fathers, counsel we learned at our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves, we're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things God has done. God planted a witness in Jacob, and God set God's word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children, so the next generation would know, and all the generations to come. Know the truth and tell the stories so their children can trust in God. Never forget the works of God, but keep God's commands to the letter. Let us pray. Thank you, God, that in these very challenging times, we know that we have hope in you, the one who is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Be with us now as we worship you with praise and thanksgiving. Oh 
to a time of confession, church, time of repentance. Confession, it's not an easy thing to do, you know, to admit wrong. And I know you're probably tired of hearing it from me, you know. Why is Lynn always telling us we're wrong? <laughs> but this is a moment between you and the Lord, you know. The truth is in your own life, your own experiences, now, um, back in my college days, uh, back in good old 1995, um, I wrote down a few dreams, a few song ideas um, that still have an impact on my life today. One of those uh, was called The Grocery Store. And uh, the story goes like this. You know, I was regular day shopping in the grocery store, and uh, this guy comes running down the aisle and crashes his shopping cart into mine. Boom spilling his items everywhere, just the, 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 making a complete mess. So I'm in shock here. And so I look to go find an employee to, you know, help clean aisle five, clean up on aisle five, right? Um, so as I go and look for someone to help, uh, I notice that the entire grocery store, in this kind of panoramic view, is in complete chaos. Everybody's crashing their shopping carts into each other, fighting, Food flying everywhere, wasted food on the floor, looting and rioting, and it's madness, you know? So I think to myself, I'm getting out of here. These people have gone crazy. So instead of, I don't know, making my way out of there, running out of there, I go to the checkout line. <laughs> I don't know, it's a store. <laughs> and when it was my turn at the checkout line and at the cashier, I look to take my items out of my shopping cart, and I notice that my shopping cart is a complete mess. 
There's food spilled everywhere. There's broken bottles in there, liquid uh, pouring out of the containers. I'm like, how could this be? I didn't do what they did. I wasn't like them. I was doing the right thing. I was trying to take care of my shopping cart. I was trying to be careful. But the cashier said to me, you are responsible for your shopping cart, and you will have to pay for it all. And I stood there, embarrassed and ashamed, because I couldn't cover the cost. So I'll end the story there, because I think the lesson of it all is that even though I thought I was right, and I may have been right, when it was my turn at the checkout line, and we all will have a turn at the checkout line, when it was my turn, in the end, I was just like everybody else, covered in my own mess, unable to cover the cost. But Jesus covers the cost. There is no hope but only Christ. And I say that not to manipulate or exclude anyone. Matter of fact, Jesus meant it to include everyone. He meant it to save us all because we can't cover the cost of our salvation. Even if you had all the money in the world times infinity, or you always did the right thing all the time, you still couldn't cover the cost of your salvation but we can accept it. Instead of getting a bill, we get the receipt that says paid in full. And in accepting that, we are forgiven. The cost has been covered, and we are welcomed into his glory. Amen. You've got to just be strong And it's a fight just to keep it together Together I know you think that you were too far gone But hope is never lost Hope is never lost
stronger than you know. Hold on, don't let go. morning church we come to a time when we share our prayers together as community unique peculiar and called out people under a different banner purple people I suppose purple for the royalty of Jesus Christ crucified resurrected ascended and returning in our lives our hearts are heavy and yet filled with joy we we grieve and we, we celebrate Fred Pirniakin, longtime member, passed away this week, been in a coma for almost two years. And uh, I can just now picture Fred walking the patio of heaven and chatting with folks in the way that Fred did. So our thoughts and prayers go with our friend, Fred Pirniakin. Praying for his family who's unable to be here. They're in uh, Scandinavia. He also has other friends uh, from Cal State Fullerton who have walked with him through this dark time. And our prayers rest and go with them as well. Looking forward to praying for Sharon and AJ and Greg and Kathy. These are the prayers of the people. Join me as we now pray together. Loving God, we know that waiting is, well, it's not easy. In fact, waiting is difficult. We wait for a child to be born. We wait 
to hear good news about a pandemic. We wait for a vaccine. We wait to reconvene. We wait to hug and be close to those we love. Seems like we are in a season of wait, which really, in a few weeks, is what Advent is all about. So in the silence of where we are, hear the prayers of the difficulty of wait, the struggle with delay. God, hear the prayers of your people as a concert of prayer that we all utter from wherever we are in this moment. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. great healer and physician and maker of people and returning all of us to wholeness. The wait for Fred is over. He's with you. And while our hearts are sad, we rejoice. We call and conjure to images in our mind of the gentle giant, the humble heart, the profound faith, the simple life, the helping hands, the passion for feeding the homeless, oftentimes even at his own expense, more often than not at the hands of his own well-being. He dances with you. It's our hope, it's our faith, it's our joy, it's our comfort. We're grateful. Surround his family, brother, sister-in-law in Denmark, other friends, colleagues, co-workers, educators from Cal State Fullerton who knew him well. Well done, good and faithful Fred. We love you. You will be missed. We'll see you soon. We also pray prayers of your presence and surrounding for Sharon and AJ and Greg and Kathy. Traveling mercies for Greg and Kathy as they give care for their daughter. Thank you for Sharon and AJ and their leadership, multi-generational leadership here at PPC. Love for you, the church, and the world. Ordinary people like the rest of us, called and used profoundly by you, King of Kings Lord and Lord of Lords. We pray a very profound prayer that is very simple. In essentials, in the essentials may we find our unity in Jesus Christ. In non-essentials, may we create a vast space for grace, room to move, to grieve, and to celebrate. 
And in all things, may there always be unconditional love. May there always be unconditional forgiveness. May there always be hope that pulls us forward. May there always be Your Holy Spirit pointing us to the truth of God incarnate in Jesus Christ. Our hope and our faith stand supreme in a world of wait. And as we wait for heaven and earth to become one, we pray the prayer that is an essential that unifies all of us when we say together, Creator God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth right here, right now, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Our sins of omission and commission. As we, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, and there are many. Deliver us from evil, and in all those things work good. And why is this true? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people at home and wherever you are said, Amen. I, uh, before we dig into our text, Ordinary Time, Extraordinary Days, I am extremely grateful to our officers of PPC Current and Incoming. We've worked very hard to chart a way forward for us in the months and the years to come. We, we held our annual retreat last Friday and Saturday, spending about eight hours to do just that. Please continue to pray uh, for their discernment, their planning, their budgeting, and their ability to position us as we wait in these months for the time when we will gather again and also in some time in the year to come. I want to give a word of gratitude and thanks because I am so grateful for all staff, people on this stage, people up in the balcony, my friends, officers, and you all of PPC. It's an honor to be pastor at PPC. We are better together with Christ that unifies us at the center. A couple of things I want to draw your attention to to look forward to. A week from today, next Sunday at 6 o'clock, we'll host a Zoom Prayers for Peace service via Zoom, another candlelight service. I invite you to join us for that. And you can look for the invitation via Zoom next Sunday morning and then also next Sunday night. And also, our Advent Bible study entitled Preparations will be ready and out soon. We've got great writers and contributors to that. We're putting on the final details and touches, uh, wrapping it together, and those will be available for our small groups very, very shortly. Our Advent season is just around the corner. Ordinary time, extraordinary days. Hey, I have a question, PPC. Do you have enough oil? Do you have enough oil to light the candle at the right time? We all know that delay is difficult. <laughs> 
we, we all of a sudden live in a world of delay. We firsthand live in the difficulty of the world of delay. It's hard. It's tedious. It certainly isn't on the top of the list of virtues, that being patience. I read recently, actually my daughter sent me an article that told us, me, through the article, that brides are in debt over $38 billion because they've had to put their wedding plans on delay because of the coronavirus pandemic. $38 billion to venues and caterers and photographers and DJs and florists and, man, the list is long. I can't even keep it straight because of the pandemic. No small delay. Delay is difficult. You know, there's few human events that are more weighted emotionally than, than weddings. I love them. But they're emotional for everybody involved. And it's also a slight bit stressful, to say the least. You could also say somewhat fragile. But more than anything else, there's just so much love, <laughs> you know? Dreams, hopes, joys, sorrows all converge with the people that you love the most in your life. It's hard to put words on it very well as a pastor and especially as a dad. And we stumble our way through those moments and hope it's just plain good enough. We just give it our best shot. But there's always the possibility that the dress doesn't fit quite right. <laughs> that something, in fact, may go wrong. That the timing might be slightly off. That the musician may not arrive on time, if at all. Or heaven forbid, at all. Now I'll tell you, luckily, over the hundreds of weddings I've done, I've never encountered a scenario that we can't work through. It's all part of a wedding day that we wait for. To me, it's significant that Jesus chose this most loaded event for a parable towards the end of Matthew's Gospel, stating that the realm of God will be like this, a wedding event, a wedding day, and following reception. Let me read the text because it didn't go off perfectly well. There was a couple of hitches, to say the least. Here's Jesus' words. At that time, the realm of heaven will be like ten virgins or bridesmaids who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take enough oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Now here's where the difficulty comes. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. In other words, nobody knew, knew, knew where he was. Where's the groom? Everybody got nervous. They didn't know what to do. And they became drowsy, the wedding party, and they fell asleep. 
At midnight, however, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. The bridegroom is here. Come on out and meet him. Oh, party on. Midnight, the story begins. Then all the bridesmaids woke up and they trimmed their lamps, which was customary for the day. The foolish ones said to the wise, Hey, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to a 24-hour convenience store where they sell it, if they do, and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The bridesmaids who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others, bridesmaids, also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us so we can come in and join the festivities. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, my friends, keep watch. Be ready. Because you do not know the day or the hour. The reading of God's Word. Well, do you have enough oil? How do we handle the delay that is difficult in the wait? Perhaps a slower church posture would help us a little bit at this point in order to help us learn to wait, W-A-I-T, well. You see, this sermon in Matthew's Gospel is called Jesus' second great sermon. There was the Sermon on the Mount early on, and now there's the Sermon on the Plain later on in Matthew's Gospel. Both of these sermons position Jesus as being the new Moses. Matthew writes to a Jewish audience. Matthew is trying to convince a Jewish audience that Jesus is the new Moses. And in this story, we wait for the bridegroom. We wait for the groom to come to the wedding. Christ is the bridegroom. We wait for Christ, and in that waiting, it's like waiting for the groom to arrive late for their own wedding. You see, weddings in those days were a little more complex than in our day. Although our day weddings are quite a bit more expensive. The wedding would begin when the bride and groom went to the bride's home to finalize the business end of the deal, the dowry, the bride price. And when that was done, then the bride and groom would walk from the the bride's home to the place of the ceremony where the ceremony would be held and the reception would go on and on and on for days sometimes lasting as long as a week. Today I'd like to ask us three questions to help us wait well in the midst of a difficult delay. How do we wait well? Because delay is difficult. First question is, hey, what's this story actually about? What's this parable really about? 
Well, the groom represents Christ. And we don't know when the groom, we don't know when Christ will actually arrive to the celebration. Then we have ten bridesmaids. And there's a lot of similarities between these ten bridesmaids. They all sleep. They all fall asleep. They all have lamps. They all have oil. Half of them have oil and reserves. Half of them don't have enough oil and reserves. And all ten of the bridesmaids recognize the groom. They all say to Christ, Lord, Lord. Fascinatingly so. Those wise five bridesmaids are ready. They're always ready for whenever the bride and groom arrive. The wise ones are the ones who are actively ready for the arrival of the Christ and they have extra oil just in case it's at a time when we're indisposed or we're caught off guard. Now hold that in juxtaposition with five unwise. I'd like that word better. The text calls them foolish. They're not ready. I love this scene. It'd be like me. Can't find my car keys. Got to get into my car and brush the sleep out of my eyes. And I need to go out in the middle of the night and find a convenience store that's open so I can buy extra oil so that the light in my lamp remains lit for the celebration to take place. And that's what they do. And when they come back, the bride and groom have arrived, and yet they find the door shut. The party has already began. I don't think this story, this parable, is about a lack of urgency. I mean, there's still time. There's always time until there's not. But the point of the story is, hey, be ready. Whenever the time is, live with an expectant readiness in the return of the groom. In this case, the return of Christ. It's one of the primary messages of this text. Now, the other thing that this story is not about, what I don't see the wise bridesmaids doing, is going to their stockpiled cabinets where they have all kinds of contingency materials and plans weighed up. I don't see any of that happening. So this story is not about high anxiety with storehouses that are stockpiled to meet every possible contingency. So what does the oil represent? Well, the oil is understood as faith, spiritual practice that, practices that allow us to be resilient, and to develop spiritual reserves that remain constant and shine during good times and in times of delay in the wait. In other words, are you, are you lazy? Are you hiding? Are you scared in the delay? Or, or maybe you're not that kind of person. Maybe you're, ah, ah, I got to fill up all my reserves. <laughs> I got to pad my portfolio. I got to stock up on toilet paper. I need way, way, way more canned beans. 
You see, the power of the story is neither one of those options are the way we wait well in the difficulty of the delay in the wait. And so, I think as people of faith, church folks, so to speak, we adjust. We know that Jesus is probably not going to return on our timetable or according to our agenda. The mission of the early church was to wait expectantly in faith, courage, and hope, always looking ahead in that contagious hope for the arrival of the groom, and so must we. Wait with expectant hope in the arrival, whenever it comes. It asks us to prepare to wait and to avoid assuming we have enough oil or faith, hope, and love in our lamps right now. You can never have enough faith, hope, and love on reserve for our lamps right now. Those key reserves are what develops a resiliency in the difficulty of the wait. This is a parable and a story about hope in the delay. So now the next question is a, is a consequential, obvious next question. Okay, Pastor, how do we live in hope then while we wait? What's a good balance? I think we noticed that we're really a part of that balance as we build up the reserves of faith and hope and love. Those oil reserves of keep on believing, keep on recognizing the groom is going to come, and in the in-between time, love, love, and love some more. Christ comes when people of faith, that's you and me, live in faith, hope, and love, and never give up living in faith, hope, and love. The text asks us to gather with those who similarly wait in the delay with faith, with hope, and with love. Not trying to stockpile more up, not trying to live in the downward spiral of tremendous anxiety and faithlessness. We're called to gather together and to stick together in faith and hope and love. We're not called when we gather together to predict all kinds of different outcomes or even when the bride and groom will arrive. That's fear. That's not faith. We're called to wait together in faith and hope and love. And as the writer of Hebrews says, to spur one another on, and encourage each other to love and good deeds, even while we wait. You see, Christ comes when disciples show love and compassion and justice, even in the chaos of the wait, of the delay. The text, the text asks us to fill our lamps. <laughs> with good things, with oil, the good things of faith and hope and love and justice. For those things are what is used on this side of the weight. Because when the arrival comes, there's plenty of light from the groom of Christ for all to see. I also think Christ comes when critically ill and marginalized people 
know that they're safe in God's care. And that comes through the people of faith using the oil of faith, hope, and love as we gather together to spread that to those who struggle. So my final question is a very simple question this morning. And as the worship band comes up to lead us in our final song, I'd like to ask you a question. Do you have enough oil for your lamp? Do you have enough oil for your lamp? I'm not asking you to run around town anxiously, nor am I asking you to stockpile it somewhere. I'm asking you to develop resilience, a resilience that comes when we worship in whatever format it is, when we care for each other, when we serve the neighborhood, when we build congregational connections, because that's the oil of faith and hope, and love. That's my call to action this morning. Do you have enough oil? Not too late. Always time. Are you still lighting the way in the middle of the delay of the wait with faith, hope, and love? For that's the oil that fuels the resiliency in the midst of our delay. Christ is going to return. Oh yes, Christ will. That's a promise. That's a promise that we can all vote on in one unified voice today in 2020. Let's all have 2020 vision about that as we wait in the delay. Christ will come. Make sure we have enough oil for our flask and our flames. Amen. His heart open wide from the depths, from the heights, I will bring a sacrifice. With these hands lifted high, in my song, in my cry, I will bring 
good to gather together and have our, uh, the oil in our lamps filled with faith, hope, and love. And I, I pray that for those who are helping in the balcony. I pray that always for my friends on the stage whom I love dearly and certainly 
all of you at home, may you go this day recognizing that our oil has been filled by God, by God Himself, Creator, Son, Spirit. We've been filled with faith, hope, and love. Go in the joy and the recognition that that will carry us resiliently through this period of delay and wait. Go in peace, and may God give you peace today. Amen.